I'm Amy Halpern Laugh. And I'm John Moscow. This is the Ethical Schools Podcast, where we discuss equitable and inclusive learning environments that support students in becoming capable of and committed to creating a more ethical world. Our guest today is Scarlett Lewis, mother of Jesse Lewis. Jesse was killed in his first grade classroom in the school shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in December of 2012. Scarlett founded and directs the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement to remember Jesse and to promote social emotional education in schools and communities through the Choose Love Enrichment Program. Welcome, Scarlett. Thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners about the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement, especially your school programs? What is the mission? Absolutely. Well, following the tragedy at Sandy Hook, which I knew was 100% preventable, I wanted to be part of the solution. And I thought, what transcends uh, anger and fear? That's love. Love is actually what connects us all as human beings. We are all the exact same as human beings, despite any perceived difference in the want and need to love and be loved. And a lot of the suffering that we see and the issues that we're seeing in schools that then translates out into society can simply be, I think, brought down to a basis of of love and, and the fact that we need to understand and be taught that we can choose love for ourselves and for others, and that we can thoughtfully respond in any situation, circumstance, or interaction by choosing love. And when I say that, I mean kindness, caring, concern, compassion, because when we do that, we take our personal power and control back. We add value. We make the world a better place. When we react with anger, hatred, and revenge, we literally give our personal power away. And, uh, and we become victims. And so these are skills, tools, and attitudes that can and actually have to be taught. We are not born with them. And so I uh, decided to create a movement where everyone can come together to be part of the solution um, by choosing love because that's what connects us all as human beings. And so I started the Choose Love movement. And this is all based, of course, on a message that Jesse left on our kitchen chalkboard shortly before he died. He wrote three words, nurturing, healing, love. And he wrote those as a six-year-old, little first grader. They were phonetically spelled because he was just learning to write. Uh, So a very uh, prophetic message for such a a little person um, with an incredible meaning. And I knew that that's where we needed to turn in order to thrive and survive as individuals in a society. And I wanted to get that message into schools. And a doctoral professor told me that uh, those three words are in the definition of compassion across all cultures. And the way to get that message into schools is called social and emotional learning. So I started searching social and emotional learning and found out that there are decades of research showing that when kids have these skills and tools, they not only get better grades and test scores, higher attendance and higher graduation rates, but they have 
less stress and anxiety, less behavioral issues, less mental health issues, even uh, less bullying. It's a statistically effective way to prevent and reduce bullying. And then even later in life, they have less mental health issues, less substance abuse, uh, less violence and anger, even less divorce rates. And I wondered, my gosh, we know this and it's like scientifically proven. Why doesn't every child have access? And uh, I actually went to the director of um, the curriculum director at Sandy Hook and I asked her about it. I said, my gosh, have you heard of this thing called social and emotional learning? And uh, she said she had and that they had spent a, a considerable amount of money on a program, didn't have enough money left over to train the teachers. And so it never got out of the box. And those words really burned a hole in my brain. And so I went about to fix that problem and uh, worked with really a whole host of educational professionals and mental health professionals and created uh, the Choose Love Enrichment Program, which is lifespan programming. We call it next generation. It's social emotional learning for everyone. And uh, we're now in every state in the country and 80 countries, which is pretty amazing. So I understand that it's a classroom-based program and that obviously it would seem that one of the impacts would be on school climate. And I understand that you do it only with teachers who choose to do it on the grounds that that's where it's going to be most effective. First of all, do you find it in most schools that you go into that most of the teachers choose to opt in? And do you find, is there a critical mass uh, that you need for it to be super effective? Or does it work within whatever bounds you have, even if only a few teachers you know, choose to opt in? That's a really great question. So a lot of times it does start off small. It'll be one teacher that, that has heard about it or understands the value of social and emotional learning and brings it into their classroom or a few classrooms. And then undoubtedly it spreads into other classrooms, the whole school and even uh, whole districts. Um, you know, it's interesting because it is highly effective in one classroom and it is incredibly effective when a whole district does it. Um, so it really kind of works on both aspects. You know what I've realized though over the past six years is that it's important to have really top-down support. Um, what I find is that when a principal, an administrator, uh, a superintendent understands the value of social emotional learning and they get behind it and provide support, that really does make a huge difference. But we created the program so that it can be top down or bottom up, single teachers wanting to incorporate it into single classrooms and it works that way as well. So you created the program in response to what was obviously a, a horrifically traumatic experience in Sandy Hook. But millions of children experience various degrees of trauma on a daily basis. I mean, especially now, violence, homelessness, family separation, climate anxiety. And resilience seems to be an essential part of what we teach children. How does the program address trauma? Uh, that's a fantastic question um, because there is so much trauma. In fact, the ACEs study 20 years ago found that one in five kids was coming to school 
traumatized. That's ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. There's recent research uh, within Connecticut from Clifford Beers that shows that that number is more like 50% now. Wow. Means 50% of kids that are coming to school have experienced a recent traumatic event. Keep in mind, trauma can be anything from yelling and screaming at home to the unthinkable. And uh, it's interesting because when when I actually heard that, I heard Clifford Beers um, speaking at a conference uh, where I was speaking, and uh, that hit me very hard because I know with my boys as a single parent. I yelled and screamed. I'm not, I don't look like a yeller and screamer and I'm not that for most of the time, but I had my moments and never in a million years did I think that that alone could be traumatizing to my boys and they had other trauma in their lives in addition to that. And so I realized, in fact, in the moment I thought, my goodness, I've made a huge mistake. I should not have started in schools. I should have started in homes. And so I doubled down. The plan had always been to have a home program. I mean, I'm sorry, a, a school-based program and a home program and a community program. But I, I had to double down in that moment and create a home-based program because I thought, you know, if I had had the awareness as a parent, just the awareness that, that, that my, my maybe losing my temper could be traumatizing to my kids. I maybe w- wouldn't have been able to control the environment, but, I, but you can always control how you thoughtfully respond, right? If you have the skills and tools. So I really wanted to provide those to the parents. And so we teach this formula for choosing love. And, and actually it's uh, derived from Jesse's chalkboard message of nurturing healing love and it's a formula that i live my life by that jt lives his life by and it starts with courage and and as it relates to trauma of course it takes a tremendous amount of courage to face uh things in your life to not resist and avoid that's when uh the bad things happen but we want to raise courageous individuals that understand actually this concept of post-traumatic growth that uh, actually difficulty in your life is what shapes and molds you and can provide opportunities for growth for you so so our goal is really to shape uh, young people with that understanding so that they can literally Uh, have the courage to face difficulty in their life, which we know we all face at one point um, with even maybe even curiosity and be able to ask themselves, what are the lessons in here for me? This concept of post-traumatic growth is pretty interesting because, of course, everyone has heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and only 7% of the total population suffers from PTSD. And that may be a little bit higher now because of all the trauma that we're experiencing. But the vast majority of us experience something called post-traumatic growth. And that's when we actually grow through difficulty. And this is a whole field of science that nobody uh, ever talks about that I know of because 
because we're too busy with our negative bias focusing on what might harm us. But here is something that can help us even in difficult moments. And it's really important to cultivate that courage to be able to see that. And, you know, when you look at the neuroscience of trauma to try to understand that and how our brain works and to get out of our freeze, fight, or flight and into our prefrontal cortex where logic and reasoning reside. And by the way, where students can be in their classrooms present and, and ready to learn. You know, it's, it's so interesting what you're saying in terms of post-traumatic growth. We had actually a conversation a few weeks ago with uh, Stephanie Carnes, who is a trauma-focused social worker uh, in Westchester, who is working with the migrant children from Central America, uh, who, of course, have been through unbelievable trauma, both getting to the United States and, unfortunately, once they get here as well. So a question that I had was, Obviously, it sounds as though the process that the teachers and the students are going through, you know, in the program opens doors for for children to talk about things. What do teachers do or what do you want schools to do if a child comes to a teacher and says, this is what's happening in my life, what can I do about it? How do you deal with that or how do you ask the schools to deal with that? Gosh, we've had, and we've had those instances come up because even with the younger kids during circle time when they're sharing and with the older kids and uh, encouraged to express how they feel about things. Uh, And we just had uh, an incident the other day in an elementary school where a child was asked, I feel sad when, and so they're going around the circle and a child said, I feel sad when my dad kicks me. And so, I mean, the, the, the incredible thing is, this is something that might not have come out unless given the proper environment and with also the implements of courage and practicing courage and, and all of the other character values that we practice. And so the, the educator, of course, went through the proper channels and we encourage educators to do that. She, she actually went ahead and, uh, and wrote that on the board and thanked the child for having the courage to share that. And then, of course, um, went through the proper channels of reporting and, and all of that that has to happen and then got the child uh, some extra help that they needed. So the program clearly addresses how students treat one another. Do you work with staff as well on equitable and culturally responsive treatment of students in schools? So we base a lot of the equity on love. So love is what connects us all as human beings. We're actually the exact same as our children and our students in the want and need to love and be loved. So in that way, um, we're very similar. And our program is a little bit different in that there is no training that's required. Um, We had a lot of input from actual educators, the educators that would be taking this program and teaching it in their classroom. Part of the problem of getting social emotional learning into classrooms is that 
There is a tremendous amount of teacher training that's required. There's a lot of teacher prep. So there's lots of time. And so we worked with educators to take out all of that, actually. So our program is different in that there's no teacher training required. The educator literally learns right alongside the student. And so, of course, you assume that the educator has more knowledge going into it, but it's so interesting about social and emotional learning and also choosing love and this formula and character values that we teach. It's like even if you've mastered the five core components of social emotional learning, even if you've mastered thoughtfully responding by choosing love, uh, which you think you would think that I would have since I go around and I talk about it every single day. I literally live, sleep, eat, breathe the message of choosing love and how to do that uh, and try to model it for people. Um, it's interesting how things come up every single day that challenge me on this and and I have to practice. And uh, you heard it here first, I don't always choose love. <laughs> but I've gotten to the point where when I don't, it doesn't feel good. And I can correct myself. So really, the educators and the students are on a journey together. And, uh, and we hope to invite the family in on this as well. So everyone's learning really the same choose love vernacular. They're working and focusing on the same character components throughout the year. And everyone is uh, either learning for the first time or having a refresher or renewing for these skills, tools, and attitudes that they're learning. So it's really uh, everyone coming up uh, with this together. You know, it's clear from everything you say that choosing love is, above all, about relationships. And that relationships we've been exploring with people in a number of conversations is the essence of both good education and also of ethics. and. You haven't mentioned, you know, that your program very closely tracks CASEL, which is the gold standard of social-emotional learning, and that talks about these five components that you referred to and so on. And both CASEL and also in New York State, for example, and a number of other states, the state ed department, when they've put out guidelines for social-emotional learning, explicitly include ethics and making ethical decisions. How do you help kids consciously make ethical decisions. And I mean, I can imagine that there are situations where the ethical decision is obvious, although, or one would hope it's obvious, but there are obviously many situations where, where it's not so obvious and where you've got a conflict of different things that might both be good or might both not be good, but in varying degrees. Is this something that you sort of explicitly address? And can you give any examples of situations where kids have been confronting ethical issues, or teachers for that matter, and have been able to be informed by the program? I also want to add, when you're talking about the importance of relationships, Harvard University's 75-year longitudinal study that is continuing, by the way, the longest study on human life ever done, and uh, they're 75 years into it right now, and they've found the key to happiness. And by the way, we're all connected by the want and need to love and be loved. We all suffer. 
yet we all want to be happy. And uh, per Harvard University, the key to happiness is healthy relationships, positive relationships, healthy connections. And the interesting thing about that is that we really need to learn how to have those healthy connections. And so I just wanted to add that to what you were saying and to reiterate the importance of healthy relationships. And ethics is uh, certainly something that is so important and has come up for JT and I personally within this whole, you know, tragedy and also within students and educators. And I think part of that is being present really and listening to what people say and hearing them and understanding the implications of what people are actually doing and feeling powerful within yourself and understanding that what you're doing really makes a difference and that your actions matter in in a positive and or a negative way. A lot of what we address is also control, right? And, And what we can control and what we can't control. And there's a lot in our life that is out of our control. But there is, of course, one thing we can always control, and that's how we thoughtfully respond in any situation or circumstance. And that includes ethics as well. It's interesting, I see that the students are becoming more and more involved. Uh, You know, of course, I've been doing this and traveling almost nonstop and working in schools um, with parents, with administrators, with students for the last six years, and I've seen a real rise in student voice, and that's had to do with ethics as well, for them seeing uh, things that are going on and speaking up for themselves, really being a part of the safety initiatives in their schools, Um, that's uh, very important for them to feel safe and to be a part of that so that they can feel more confident in that whole progress. And so, you know, we, we do teach ethics in the program and we, it's not a main focus of ours, but we do have that included for sure. You know, gratitude is one of your core elements. And in a lot of contexts that refers to gratitude to God. When you're not referring to a higher power or a creator of some sort, what does gratitude mean? To what or whom and for what do you urge students to be grateful for? Oh, that's a great question. Gratitude is so vitally important. We call it the great mind shifter because we all have, uh, as adults, 50 to 70,000 thoughts every day, the majority of which are negative. We know that between 70 to 80%. And uh, gratitude is the great mind shifter because you can't have two thoughts at once. So you can't have a negative thought and a grateful thought at once. So gratitude can shift you out of that negative mindset. And uh, our definition of gratitude is uh, mindful thankfulness and the ability to be thankful even when things in life are challenging. And so it's it's relatively easy to be grateful when you're at your birthday party, surrounded by family and friends, getting all the presents that you want, and eating cake and ice cream. But when things aren't going your way, when you're faced with challenges, 
um, when you're not getting what you want, uh, that is really when gratitude can be very powerful and, and you can use that mind shifting uh, abilities of gratitude. There's always something to be grateful for too. And I even use my own experience in that you know, even after Jesse's murder, there were things to be grateful for the, you know, being held up in a world's full of prayers, all of the love uh, that we received from all over the world and, and really continue to receive uh, is something that I will forever be grateful for. And it was such a huge part of my healing. Um, but we teach kids that there's always something to be grateful for. Even in your darkest hour, um, you can be grateful for your breath, you can be grateful for the sun that comes out. You can be grateful for the rain and the life-giving force that it is for flowers. And uh, so there's always something to be grateful for. And gratitude is so vitally important. And when you look at the scientific benefits of gratitude, it's so interesting. Uh, there are so many. And by the way, this isn't just kid-centric. Everything that we're talking about today is human-centric. It is for all of us. It's just as important for adults as it is for kids. I'm talking about gratitude too. Um, there's so many benefits to gratitude physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. This great mind-shifting capability. My three favorite benefits of practicing gratitude, uh, scientifically proven, it increases, uh, strengthens your immune system, uh, it gives you better sleep, and it elongates your life. But if you need more than that, then you can, <laughs> they're readily accessible on the internet, and gratitude is just such an incredibly powerful character value that, that actually I practice every day, all day long. Thank you. Thanks. Let's go back to empowerment. As a, as a humane educator myself, I know how empowering it is to students to learn that they can make a difference through their actions, not just to their families and classmates, but also to humans they'll never meet, to the planet, and to animals other than humans. In addition to being more loving and nurturing in their relationships, do your programs encourage students to be more mindful of the ripple effects of all their choices. For example, what they wear, what they buy, what they eat. That's a, that's a great question. And I think that I would probably refer to our last character value that we teach. And that is compassion in action. Um, so compassion in action uh, is really being mindful of how uh, our actions impact other people. And that's, by the way, we, we really focus a lot on our thoughts as well. The thoughts that we think. Everything starts with a thought that then impacts our feelings, that then impacts our behavior and how we treat one another. So in other words, when we think grateful, loving, kind, caring, compassionate thoughts, we feel good. And that's reflected in our interactions. When we are angry and have hateful and resentful thoughts, uh, we feel bad. And that is also reflected in our behavior. And so really everything starts with a thought and the amazing thing that we teach is that uh, thought can be changed and that we have the power to do that. That's a very empowering concept. And that that changes not only how we feel and act, uh, but also changes our environment around us and can change other people's 
reactions to us as well and can help change their environment as well. So I think it's very empowering that way. And, you know, compassion has two components. There's the empathetic component. It's feeling empathy for someone and also the action component. So um, we do really focus on that action component because it's in doing for others. That is actually when science tells us that we, I say all the nurturing, healing love that we give out, we get back. And on that subject of creating environments, how does the Jesse Lewis Love Movement foster inclusive and cohesive communities within schools? You know, the whole movement is based on this concept of choosing love. It's the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. The whole movement is based on a formula for choosing love in any situation, circumstance, or interaction. And the formula is courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion and action equals choosing love. So schools will typically spend a quarter of the year on each of the character values, really focusing in on what they mean. And there's a a reason behind the ordering of these character values. Of course, we start with courage because courage is the main character value. It underlines all the others. You need courage to practice the other ones well. And then uh, we move into gratitude gratitude being the great mind shifter. It empowers you to be able to change your thoughts. And then forgiveness. Forgiveness is uh, so vitally important. And actually, it's the key to having healthy relationships, which we've talked about earlier, which we know are the key to happiness. Um, The key to that is really forgiveness. And uh, when people heard that I wanted to put forgiveness in this program, I got a lot of Oh, wow, that is such a lofty topic for kids. Do you think they're even going to understand it? But the interesting thing is what we found over the last three years since the release of the program is that it is not a lofty topic for kids. Kids get it. And in fact, it's usually kids' favorite character value. Every time that that comes up, I'm always blown away by that. And I always have to ask why, of course. I was just in a elementary school with fifth grade boys running around me all excited about getting out for the summer. They just finished the whole year of choosing love. And I said, passing out bracelets with the formula on it. And I said, what, what is your favorite character value? And they literally like they're running around me all excited. And they go, forgiveness. And I'm like, really, really forgiveness. Yes. Why? Because it feels so good to let it go. Forgiveness is like a superpower. And if you think about it, it really is. The ability to let something go and not give someone else power over your thoughts that impact your feelings, that impact your behavior. And a lot of times I think when we're angry, the person that we're angry at, that we're giving control over our day doesn't even know it, right? And so this this concept of forgiveness is cutting the cord that attaches us to pain, which is an actual uh, lesson that we teach is so powerful and kids get it. But it is quite a concept for adults because that's the one that I know that teachers have commented that they have really, really learned a lot with 
because they didn't understand it. And by the way, I didn't understand the concept. You know, it's in my faith, you forgive so that you're forgiven. Um, but, you know, they don't really teach you what that means or how to do it. Or, you know, the common misconceptions that forgiveness is a gift that you give somebody else that you have to let everything go and you can't hold the person accountable or that you forget. It means none of those things. It simply means that you take your personal power back. That's really my new and improved definition. And then the last character value in the formula for choosing love is compassion and action. So there's the identifying empathetic component and then the action component. And once you've had the courage to practice gratitude, because of course it takes courage to be grateful when things aren't going your way. You have the courage to forgive even when the person who hurts you isn't sorry, because it does take courage to do that. And when you have the courage to step outside of your own busyness, distraction, even your own pain to help somebody else, you've chosen love. And that's an incredibly empowering feeling. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been you know, extremely interesting and we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate everything that you all do and the message that you put out as well. It's really important. And thank you to our listeners. You can learn more about the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement at its website, jessielewischooselove.org. And please visit our website as well, ethicalschools.org, where you can check out our articles and episodes and subscribe to the Ethical Schools podcast and blog. We're on Facebook, on Twitter, at Ethical Schools, and Instagram, at Ethical Schools Podcast. Till next week, this is Amy and John for Ethical Schools.